Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello, and welcome to This Week in Production, the podcast. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and I am isolated in my bunker, otherwise known as my edit suite, bringing you this week's episode. I did get some mail this week in the TWIP mailbox that I thought I would share. Chip, who is a longtime loyal listener, uh, had a question about how the bands like the Rolling Stones did a performance over Zoom with no latency. I've watched several of these performances, Chip. I believe the way they're doing these Zoom concerts is not live. I don't think they're live at all. I think they're being edited together, synchronized after the fact. I think they're using Zoom just to record the video, but they're playing back to a local track and recording, and then that is being sent to an editor who's also recording the four camera feeds from Zoom and then they're uh, editing it together after the fact. And I think that's the way they're doing it. The Zoom thing is really just a way so the other band members can see each other. I could be wrong. That's my take on it. But thanks for the email, Chip. And I will be sending you a This Week in Production t-shirt, limited edition. And if you've got any comments or suggestions or things that you want to talk about, you can email me at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. There's also a Google Voice mailbox, which you can call. It's 601-564-TWIP, And if you call that number, you can just leave a message. And you've heard a couple of people leave messages in the past. I'd love more people to give me feedback, either email or voicemail. So please share. My day today was a little more chaotic than normal, and I'll share that story with you, but I need to back up a few weeks and how I thought I was being smart and, and planning came back a little bit to bite me in the butt. I have a shared storage appliance in my edit suite. It's a small tree device. It's a 16-bay rack chassis that has uh, about a hundred terabytes of storage and it's shareable on 10 gigabit ethernet. So it's like a poor man's XAN. And I have a bunch of Macs hooked up to it. They can all connect, they can all read the files and it, it works well, no issues with it. I like the box. I've, I like it so much that I've got a couple of portable versions I take on the road. But I ran into a scenario where the network performance on the protocol I was using was lagging. And that was the network file system or the NFS connection. And that was the only way Final Cut in the past would let you read projects on network volumes that were not XAN. So I was using NFS and it worked well, still works well, but the speed had some bottlenecks. So I called Small Tree up. I said, I want to move over to NSMB protocol. The box is already enabled for it, but I knew that there were a bunch of firmware updates that needed to be done and there might be some issues with permissions. So I asked 
their uh, tech, Chris, who's very good, very responsive. I asked him for help to get my system up to date and running properly on SMB. So I did the upgrade with Chris right as soon as I got back from Alaska, right as this whole quarantine was coming down. I figured, hey, I've got some downtime. This is a good time to do it. Did the switch over and I immediately started having issues with corrupt libraries. And it has something to do with permissions, the way NFS deals with permissions or ignores them, where SMB tries to honor permissions, and it, it got actually kind of nasty. But I've been dealing with that as I can on a case-by-case basis. Flash forward to this week, when I tried to open up a library from last year to pull some media out, and the media got corrupted. Now, I don't know if it really got corrupted, but I can't open the library. It's, it's flawed. And there's no media in it if I try to look at the package contents. So I didn't have the raw files on one of my uh, other disk arrays that are not small tree shares. I have a bunch of Promise Pegasus arrays. And uh, I didn't have it on it because it was a job from last year. But I do keep archives. If you've heard any of the past podcasts about workflow, you know that I have an LTO archive as part of my long-term storage. And I called my, uh, my guy who does my backups for me, Joe, called Joe and asked him if he just happened to have these files on any live media, hard drives, anything that he, you know, might have at his place. And he didn't. He said it's on, you know, this tape. We looked it up in the little spreadsheet, you know, that we keep for all the tapes. And the tape was at uh, the bank in a safety deposit box where I keep all my, my tapes. So I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll go get the tape and I'll give it to you and you can restore it and blah, 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 blah. Well, I call the bank and the bank's not open. I mean, it's open, but the lobby's not open. And they're not answering the phones because I'm not sure why. Maybe they're overloaded. So I go to the drive through window and I say, hey, I'm a customer. I need to get into my safety deposit box. And the lady looked at me like I was a little crazy. And she said, well, you have to call. And I said, well, I did call and no one answered. Well, you got to call. Okay. I leave the uh, drive-thru, I go home, I try calling a few times. It's literally no one's answering the phone. I call the next day and I actually get someone. And they said, oh, you have to talk to the bank manager who's not here, but they'll call you back by the end of the day. They don't call me back. So here's now three days go by and I call again in the morning and I actually get through and I get to the bank manager. And she's not sure how to respond to my request. I'm like, listen, I'm a business customer. I pay a good chunk of change for a big safety deposit box. I need access. And she started like going through all these papers and asking me these questions about where I've been. And I, I get it, like they're trying to be safe. And I tell her, yes, yes, you know, I'm not feverish. I haven't been anywhere outside of the country. So she agrees to 
let me in. And I think her words were, but you have to be quick about it. Great, nice customer service there. So I go down to the bank. And the the bank is like one of these, uh, they have all these glass offices. And the, I see the branch manager and she's in her glass office. Like she won't come out. She sends the minion, like the intern, to open the door, let me in you know, gloves, mask, the whole bit. And that's fine. I get it. I'm not trying to circumvent any rules. That's how I would normally do it. So I go and I get the tape and I come home and I've got to now get the tape to my uh, archivist, Joe. Now, Joe is a single parent. He happened to be uh, homeschooling with his, his kid. And you know, that was its own level of chaos, which I'm sure everyone's dealing with. I know I'm dealing with that myself. And just trying to find a time for him that worked and that worked with me to meet up so I could hand him off the tapes and a hard drive and he could restore them for me. So that took another couple of days. And I get back now and I'm waiting for him to restore the tapes. And he restores a tape. And I said, look, before you copy it, let me, you know, screen share in, make sure I'm looking for the right files. I don't see the files. Requires another tape and another trip to the bank. <laughs> yes, that's special. Anyway, after about five days, I finally got the pieces I needed to do what should have been literally a three-hour uh, process. But that's... That's part of my new normal now. The other little gem that happened this week, <laughs> and I chuckle because it's really, it's just the way it is for everybody. I get it. I'm not saying this is special or anything, but we were planning to do a corporate message piece and we had to do it remotely. So I had set up a whole webinar web rtc which is like a web streaming thing through a web browser and your camera and your built-in microphone or if you've got a fancy setup like the broadcasters it's a way to bring the video into my switching program and i can do a show remotely from cameras anywhere in the world set it all up tested it had to come up with some fancy ways to do a return video feed so people could watch it and Spent about a week on it, only to go then and do a test with the clients before we go with the the talent, the, the partners, and the test just blows up. There's VPN security issues, there's, uh, you know, web browser permission issues, can't access the camera, can't access the microphone, all things that you know, we all deal with probably on a day-to-day -day basis in our own little universes, but when you've got six people now that are trying at the same time to do it and you're trying to troubleshoot, it just got frantic, frantic, frantic. So it blew up because we couldn't make it work on the, the corporate secured laptops. They wouldn't accept the WebRTC URLs. And uh, we had to come up with a plan B. So plan B was using Zoom. And we've all used Zoom. And Zoom is pretty easy to, you know, Zoom is pretty easy to use. And the corporate firewall allows it. Though I think that's 
only recently that they let that slip through. But here's my challenge now. I need to use Zoom to record and edit a little presentation. And of course, Zoom is limited because you have, you know, the active speaker, which is whoever's talking, the camera switches to that. And, you know, if I needed a cutaway or I needed a reaction shot or the, you know, someone made some noise, I needed more flexibility than just Zoom. So I had to get creative and I've used this technique before, but never quite with Zoom, where I had to take the, the Zoom with a paid account, which is what I had to upgrade to, gives you the option to record separate um, video clips of the, the active speaker and the gallery view. So it'll give me whoever's on the conference in the gallery thumbnail, and it'll give me a separate video file of whoever's talking. Uh, I took the gallery view, which is very small, it's a 720p recording with the boxes. So if you got four people on the screen, divide that into quadrants in a, in a 720p window, it works out to be about 640 by 360 is your video size. So I made a multicam clip with one track and I put the, the HD 720p zoom gallery view in it. And I set it to uh, spatial conform to be none. And I scaled it up to, you know, maybe 100%. I think it was a little bigger because I made a 720 by 480 um, project. So I got it to about 125%. And I moved the box so that the speaker I wanted as a ISO, as a single, would be in the picture. And then I duplicated that layer five times and I made my five speakers on this particular test. I made them each have their own isolated angle. And then I could basically multi-camera switch the show if I needed to uh, for reactions or cutaways or edits. I had something to, to cut away to. And this is you know, again, nothing special and nothing new. I'm not inventing this. A lot of people have done this technique. But this was, you know, three hours of my life uh, today that I wasn't planning on spending with Zoom that had to be tested out and proven. And in the end of the day, it worked. Though we're dealing with very low quality pictures, you know. Just because you're getting a 640 by 360 feed does not mean that the picture quality is great. It's far from it. But, you know, this is acceptable. This is, as I say, the new norm. On that note, I was thinking, and I have been thinking about doing live streaming in different ways. That is a part of my business. So I do have a fair amount of live streaming equipment. I've got robo cams and I've got, you know, regular cameras and switchers and all this stuff. But you can't really get to someone with this gear unless you ship it and then there's a setup. So I've been using this new, fairly new Logitech Streamcam. It's a, it's a small little camera. It's got very good picture quality. It's got a pretty good microphone, way better than what's built into your laptops or your iPhones. 
Um, and it's not that expensive. I think it's a hundred and something dollars or maybe $200. But you cannot get one now. They are sold out everywhere. I got lucky in that I went to the Logitech website and I placed an order and it took like 14 days. But luckily I did this about three weeks ago. And it did ship finally, and I did, uh, you know, get it in time to use it. But if you had to start now and buy anything related to web streaming, good luck finding anything. I know that um, there's been a whole bunch of people talking about how they're doing live streaming now, and they're talking about certain products like Elgato has a, a light that clamps to a desk and it's an LED and it has a smartphone controller for it. It's pretty neat and it's not that expensive. It's again, like maybe $199 or $150, but you can't get it anywhere. Very hard to get. I've been looking for a week for a place to buy it. Nowhere had it, Amazon, Best Buy, no one had one. No one had a shipping date. You couldn't even order them. And then today, just by chance, I was browsing around. I looked for that on Best Buy and they had one and I ordered it and it's shipping to me. So I should have it next week. So yeah, it seems crazy that everyone is buying all this stuff up and it's really hard to get the parts you need to do things, but a little uh, perseverance, if you're diligent about it, you keep checking. Sometimes you get lucky. As a, a joke, I always say, even a blind squirrel gets the occasional acorn, which is really the story of my life. So I've been just going back and forth with all this nuttiness. I, I tell you, for me, what's been comforting, and everyone has their own things. For me, what's been comforting is cooking on my Kamado Joe grill. It's a, a Kamado style grill. I put uh, hardwoods in and I smoke ribs and I do briskets and steaks. I love cooking ribs. I'm on a keto diet. So ribs are, you know, a staple for me. And I love it. It's very peaceful. I get up early in the morning. I put the grill on, the smoke, the charcoal, the smell, the aroma. It's um, it's just very, uh, it's calming for me. I don't know why. It just is. So I went to uh, get some charcoal. Not your Kingsford briskets, but I use uh, something called lump charcoal. I've been able to, you know, go into a store and pick it up. And of course, you can't do that anymore. Now it has to be pre-ordered and curbside pickup and all this stuff. Well, now I can't even get charcoal. It's impossible. No one has it. I guess everyone is barbecuing just like I am. But it's madness because you want to do something. And it's like if you don't have it in your possession... It's not instantaneous gratification anymore. It used to be, oh, two days, Amazon, I'll have it here. Or, you know, one day, B&H, I'll have it here. No, no siree. Now it's like a month or more, perhaps, lead time. That That's what's most frustrating to me is this non-instant gratification. Very, very disturbing to my 
fragile ego. So anyway, we're all here trying to cope with the same problems. This would be the end of NAB week normally. I did see a few announcements um, that came through. Nothing crazy. Canon probably is the biggest amount of news that I've seen uh, around NAB products. They announced a new C300 Mark III camera. They announced a price drop on some of their Cine Zooms that were maybe $20,000 or $30,000 are now $10,000. They've also announced a new Servo Cine Lens, the 25 to 250, which is, I guess, the big brother now to the one that I own, which is the 17 to 120. And I use that with a doubler, but the doubler comes with a little bit of light loss penalty. This is a native 25 to 250 lens. Not cheap. I think it's about 30 grand, but it's a really nice lens, nice focal length. And again, if you use that with a doubler, it's it's a decent range for the stuff that I do. So I'm not planning to spend any cash right now on equipment, but I am waiting to see other announcements. There's a Facebook group that I'm involved in around streaming. It's a group that's run by PTZ Optics, which makes robotic cameras. They're more a little more low-end than the stuff I have, but the PTZ Optic guys do a lot of uh, live streaming, and they're pretty active. They have an active group, and they talk about a lot of live streaming production things. So I follow their group, and they did a Hack the NAB live stream, which was actually pretty interesting. They got about 15 companies. They did about a half hour of each throughout a whole day's broadcast. And I did watch a few of them, New Tech and Teradek and a few other companies. But LiveView is a company that I've been uh, watching, looking at some of their products. If you heard the podcast with Lowell Thaler a few weeks ago about how he does remote sports production, you heard him talk about LiveView and all the gear he has, and he loves their products. So I've been looking at LiveView, but I, I found it curious that during this Hack the NAB live stream, that when LiveView's segment came up and, and the host asked them what their NAB announcement was going to be, they said, well, since NAB didn't happen, we decided to cancel the launch of this product because the timing wasn't right. And that was telling to me because a lot of times NAB comes around and companies feel like they're forced to have something to show new, even if it's not ready, even if it's not fully hatched, there's a pressure to deliver. And I thought it was very telling that they said, well, yeah, we just decided that we're not going to announce it because there was no reason to. And uh, I just got a chuckle out of that. And I don't know if that's I think that happens more times than not, as you see with companies that so show something at NAB that is not really ready and it hasn't been thought out and it doesn't serve any public good other than to say, hey, you know, we're going to do this at some point once we figure it out. That was um, interesting and that's available on uh, YouTube, I'm sure, as a replay if you wanted to check it out. I don't know what else I can say about this corona situation. I have a feeling we're going to be in this predicament for quite some time. Stay calm, stay sane, get out, get a little fresh air, drink some tequila as I'm about to do, and 
We'll see you next week. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on this week in production. Thanks for listening.